Welcome back to the Seeker's Quest. I'm here with Chaitanya Sharan Prabhu, Kalam CC, and Vedasar. How are you guys this morning? I'm doing fantastic. Hi. Yeah? CC. Are you still in Europe? Yes, we just, I was on the road. We just finished some incredible times in Bulgaria. Awesome. I was at the Black Sea. They organized this incredible resort and retreats. Every week we get extra new uh, 70 people. And we practice Bhakti Kriya. And yeah, incredible group of people that came in. <laughs> And uh, definitely a very interesting revolution. I was on Bulgarian TV, national TV, for two days. On the retreat, we had a Bulgarian actress, the Bulgarian Miss Bulgaria, and we had some interesting characters. Wow, that's Amazing. awesome. Share some pictures with us. <laughs> <laughs> Veda, did you ever go swimming? Yes, I did. You went swimming! <laughs> so every morning we, we, we do we do the sun, uh, early morning, we do the Pancha Mahabhuta, where we go and walk bare feet, do mindful walking, and then we sit on the beach and we chant mantras and meditate on Gauranga, looking at the sun and watching the sunrise. And with deep pranayama, chanting Goranga for about half an hour before the sunrise. And then we meditate on Goranga some more. You know, the golden uh, illuminating avatar. And God in this form of Goranga, the soft soothing complexion of molten gold, just like the sunrise. And then we jump in the Black Sea we swim together in the Black Sea, and then we go and start our day. Full day it was packed from 6 a.m. till about 10 p.m. Every night, ecstatic kirtans, ecstatic dance and ecstatic kirtans. We had some material rock stars, and we had some spiritual rock stars in there. So it was fantastic. Wow, that sounds amazing. There is about four or five swamis as well. They go there to heal. Wow. Interesting, interesting. Is it is it all over now? It's all over. It's all over. Wow, how do we come next year, Veda? <laughs> we have to put you on the list. <laughs> Seems like a pretty special list. I don't know if I meet the standards. <laughs> Swami's a rock star. Or actress? Nope. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, you know, Bulgaria is a small country. It's about six million people. You know, they were under the, the communist regime for a long time. So very interesting psychology. It takes a little bit of time to get out of that mind frame. And there's like really, really open people. Huh. They don't speak English though, right? They Most people do. Oh, okay. Younger generations do. Older generations, not so much. But the Dutch is like super cool. Like where Leone is from, these people are the best. They're just like, 
you go in there and you start a kirtan and they just all start jumping. Hmm. <laughs> it's the most amazing upbeat crowd. I'll be there next weekend. This weekend I'm in Radhadesh. I'll be de- I'll be working with the French. Oh, okay. Wow. So that was my <clears throat> short history. Sissi, please give us your rundown. Uh, amazing weather. It seems you have your you have your base in Atlanta, but it's like a universal form that has spread across <laughs> the Atlantic Ocean now, <laughs> and it's enveloping Europe. <laughs> I go for low hanging fruits. You know, the Europeans are like so good, cool people. So you know, so I'm like, where are the low hanging fruits? Let's go to the Dutch. Let's go to the Bulgarian. Did, did you just did you just re- did you realize that in just in trying to be humble you have insulted Europeans? I know. <laughs> hey, low hanging fruits are a good thing. I don't think it's an insult. <laughs> well, They're only low hanging because the Europeans are very rich. They're very genuine and authentic, like ripe mangoes, you know. So they pull on the branches, so they're low, so they're all ready. He's he's now he's backpedaling. Absolutely not. I'm backpedaling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you put your foot in your mouth. Now you're trying to convert your foot into some food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you see, you're getting ready to go to Australia, right? Yeah. As soon as we finish our podcast, I'll have to leave. Oh wow! So, okay. Well, let's let's get into it then. That's a good one. What is what is saying? Low lands and low fruits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um. So today, what what we're going to try to start doing, um, uh, discussing at the Seekers Quest is, uh, themes that c- relate to where we are in our Bhagavad Gita study that we just started doing online a couple weeks ago. Um. And, uh, you know, all, and really kind of tie them into real life and talk about how they show up in our lives and what we do about them. Um, so that's if you haven't started, if you haven't watched, started with our Bhagavad Gita study with us, um, it's super fun. Me and CC and we just brought on Balaram, who's uh, one of Veda's boys at the ashram. And and he's really great, too. So it's really nice. We do like 25 minutes a day. We post we post something every day, either Seekers Quest or Bhagavad Gita. So, um, but right now in it, where we just started the second chapter, and we got to the point where Arjuna, well, we we went through the whole first chapter where Arjuna was really reluctant to fight. Right, he he saw all of his friends and family on the battlefield and just was like overcome with emotion and didn't really know how to handle it, and. Um, and we just got to the point a couple days ago where he he just surrendered to Krishna. Like I I'm weak in this condition. Uh, I'm surrendered to you. I'm your disciple. Please instruct me. Recognizing that like he he wasn't able to make a rational decision because he was just overcome with emotion. So um, CC makes these fun little quotes that are based off the Bhagavad Gita. And the quote he he kind of put together based on this scenario that's happening 
is let emotion inform, but not form your decision. And um, so we thought we'd kind of dig into that and how how it shows up in our lives and uh, and what we do about it. What do you guys think? Yeah. Let's go for it. <laughs> Wonderful. So we are approaching the Gita here more from an applicational way in our seeker's quest. And there we are approaching it more from a systematic way. That means go text by text. We just study the text one by one. Here we take themes related to the Gita which apply to our life. And uh, both ways we are trying to move closer to the Gita. And here, this particular quote, hmm. I'll talk about you know, pendulums. So maybe this pendulum can form a, there can be only emotion. So we consider decision making. And sometimes when we take decision, use the word decision making, we generally imply some conscious thought is there when we make a decision. But sometimes we make a decision without any conscious thought also. If the decision is based only on emotion, and if there is no emotion, both will be unsustainable. So generally when we say only emotion, there is no reason over there. And there's no, no emotion, is only reason. So we are using logic, we are using our head, but we are not using our heart at all. The balanced state is in between the two of these. There's a healthy balance of emotion and reason. So when I say that emotion inform our decision-making process, I'm referring to this, but let emotion not form our decision-making process. This is what they're saying no. And conversely, this also is no. So that's the broad overview of what I was thinking we could talk about today. Mm. Any reflections before we move ahead? Peta, what do you think about this? <clears throat> Only emotion, no reason. So that yeah. means... Go ahead, go ahead. That means you're just acting based off of how you feel in the moment. So you're you're not really tapping into like your logical mind to like like you're not being maybe you're not being very rational. Yeah, exactly. Like something empty headed, bone headed. Obviously use those words fat headed. Maybe fat is not a politically correct word, no, but empty headed. That's one side. And the other is we become hard hearted. Not mm headed. -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, we would like to avoid both these extremes. Hard-hearted. So then we're just kind of turning off our emotions. Some of us do this even like subconsciously. We just don't even know how we feel. And we just use our logical side of our brain to, to, to kind of reason through what we're doing. I sometimes, whenever I look at this situation, I look at the mind, which is the seat of all the emotions, one of the, the biggest uh, uh, receptacle, I don't know if that's the right word, 
And then the intelligence is the seat of reason. So, so we're looking at the, the intelligence on one side, just intelligence and no, no mind involved. That's a little hard. And then you have just the mind involved and no intelligence. That's the other spectrum. And then I feel like somewhere in there, there is that space of the heart, the nature of the soul. And, and that's where the, the middle of the pendulum is. It's the way I'm, uh, I, I'm thinking, I'm looking at this pendulum. That's kind of yes, cool. I agree, I agree with you fully. You could put it this way that there's a soul, there's a body, and then you could say there is the mind, and then there's the intelligence. So, uh, our sense of identity, all this is, we could say, our inner world. Our Intelligence, inner world, the is, soul, and the mind are our inner world. Yeah, all this is our inner world. In one sense, our body is what we can see outside. So, our sense of identity, our sense of identity, it can go to various things. So we may identify with our body, we may identify with our wealth, we may identify with our position. So our sense of identity can come from various places. So my understanding is that these three extremes of the pendulum, if our sense of identity, I talked about, when it's only emotion, basically, here, I think I is equal to my mind. And when there's only reason, as contrasted with only emotion, then basically, I am equating myself, my intelligence. But when we have this balanced state, basically, I is equal to the soul who has two tools, two resources, both to be used. Those resources are the mind and the intelligence. So we can use each of these resources appropriately. The soul has two, two tools. So if, if we're stuck on one of these sides of the pendulum, either the mind or the intelligence, <clears throat> how do we start to integrate to, to make decisions from a more powerful place to make decisions from that this the soul see it is natural that at different times we may our sense of there is our identity which is who we are and then there is which is not always equal to our sense of our identity who we think we are so depending on our situation it is natural that we'll identify with different things but if we have, so our sense, our identity is fixed. This doesn't change. But our sense of identity, of our identity, it keeps changing. So, if I am in India, I may not even think too much that I am an Indian because I'm surrounded by Indians. But if I come to America, and then I see everybody with a much more fair complexion than what I have. 
and I see myself brown, then I am reminded, oh, I'm an Indian. So uh, when I'm in India, I may think that, oh, I am from like in America, you may think you're American, but then I'm a Texan. I'm a New Yorker. I'm a jo- I'm a so-and-so state. So many further identities may come up. So basically, it's natural that we, based on certain situations, will identify ourselves in certain ways. But if we have some ways, some resources for grounding our identity. Now, I will talk about one like inner resource and one outer resource. So meditation, introspection, these are more of internal resources and association especially I would say uplifting or spiritual association that is another resource and along with spiritual association we could also have a little bit of the hmm, I would use the word complementary association complementary means that which complements me not praises me but completes me if I tend to be more emotional and if I have the association of somebody who is a bit rational, then it's helpful. So that is what exactly happens in the Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna is quite emotional. And then he turns to Krishna and seeks guidance. And Krishna offers a very rational analysis to address Arjuna's concerns. It's not that he does not uh, address Arjuna's emotions, but he approaches them from a perspective of reason. So, so we you, let's unpack this a little bit. When you when we go up and we talk about making decisions either from the mind or the intelligence, and then well, the the pendulum here, yeah. And then you said that the middle of that pendulum would be making making decisions from the soul using the tools of the mind of intelligence. It's almost yeah. like if if we're making a decision solely based off of emotion or solely based off of reason, is then then we're kind of fragmented. We're not what you're saying is we're not connected we're not connected to the soul if if we're leaning into one or the other too much. Is that what you're saying there? Yes, exactly. So so then when we learn to integrate the both and fuse that with our true sense of identity, then then we're like a fully integrated machine ready to be effective and in, empowered when we when we are seated in our real identity as a spirit soul and we use the intelligence and the mind as tools to direct our decisions and and the way we go about our days. Um, then, then we're really truly connected in a in a holistic way. Yes, very true. And then you just so, and then what you said with the you said that yeah, this resources for grounding our identities. So sometimes this is when you made the point that sometimes we're easily influenced or we easily forget our actual identity, and that may be because we're in certain association that has a certain identity, and then we take it on. Um, or just we just get caught up in our own stories, our own narratives. So ways that we can get grounded in our actual identity 
which is important to this whole thing because it's an important part of the equation of of fusing our identity with and using our um, emotions and our mind and our intelligence to to act in favor of our real identity. Um, these resources you're talking about are meditation, introspection, and spiritual association or complementary association. Uh, that's quite a good recap. Did I exhaust you or did you want to exhaust me? <laughs> no, I just I'm just trying to connect it all. I'm just trying to trying to connect it all and and the train of thought. Uh Veda, do you have anything to say about that? I, I often think <clears throat> that when we come to the middle of the pendulum, uh we have to really for me it's really getting centered into the heart is the is the seat of the individual soul and the supreme soul and the individual consciousness and the supreme consciousness and so that's the real connection the real connection happens uh when we really do the inner work and the real inner work is when we are situated in the heart with the divine and i feel that is the real key not emotional not intellectual but being situated with within the heart and to me heart means the seat of the individual consciousness and the supreme consciousness and that's where the middle ground is it's not just emotional or just intellectual that's not balance the balance is in, in when we're actually situated in the heart and our heart generally is a soft space it's a place of meditation it is the place of reflection it is the place of balance it is the core so are you did almost you say saying that space or a soft space what did you say safe soft space safe? in a soft space safe. yeah Okay, some things that are soft are not always safe, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but soft things can give us a sense of safety also. You want to hold on to something soft when we are in when we are in distress or something like that. True. Unless that soft but thing I'm... is like a cheetah or something, then it's definitely not safe. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to snuggle up with a no. cheetah. <laughs> Now, Radha, you are doing a Veda on us. <laughs> <laughs> being contrarian <laughs> so, so are you yeah well is it Go almost ahead. like if you're situated in the heart space then naturally the mind and the intelligence works for the heart space and doesn't doesn't work for your ego or your fragmented identity is that in, in my my understanding of it is you know when we look at spiritual fragrances of life compassion kindness all these qualities those are not emotional those are not intellectual those are the natural uh, fragrances of the soul you know so if we uh if we want to smell nice for ourselves and smell nice for others i feel you know really really tapping into the core source of our spiritual fragrance is is our individual heart connected to the divine heart 
And that's what I feel is the middle ground, you know, in the pendulum that we need to have access to the spiritual fragrances of life. Wow. CC, how do you think the spiritual fragrances fit into that pendulum of mind, intelligence, or mind and emotion and intelligence? Yeah, fragrance is a beautiful, beautiful word, beautiful theme. Mm. My understanding would be, just to take that theme forward, is that generally, if people who are a little unbalanced, somebody is too emotional or too rational, there is a there is either a coldness or a almost like a childishness. There is something that holds us back from going close to them. Either can't do clo- go too close to them, or we don't want to count on them. We can't count on them, whatever. So if we use the theme like fragrances are what attract us. If something is fragrant, don't explore. And then the opposite of this could be if I use the word orders, they they repel or they at least keep us at a distance. To hold at a distance. So I would say generally a fragrant person you know, would be in between would be the, a spiritually fragrant person. Compassion, kindness. Yeah, so here you would have these would be lacking. So maybe the not so attractive smell of too much sentimentality, instability. If somebody is too emotional, then we can't really count on them. Hmm? On the other hand, if somebody is, is coldness, we have like a sense of indifference or apathy. We don't have any emotions. That also doesn't work. So I would say in between, we could have this spiritually fragrant thing. Yeah, I feel like, I, Veda, I feel like he's almost saying that those things the left and the right side of the pendulum, the sentimentality and the coldness is, is more, is more like products of the ego. It's more like when you're acting on the platform of, of the ego and the, the middle, when you, when you are connected with the soul and you're naturally giving off qualities like compassion and things that are natural qualities of the soul that aren't based off of the platform of the ego yeah, when you use the word ego, generally it has a, sign, a sense of misidentification. We are identifying ourselves with something which we are not. So you could say when the ego, and there's a false identification with the mind, a sense of sentimentality, and there's false identification with the intelligence. So yeah, that's like we become <coughs> wholehearted. Yeah, it's like when we love, like when we're when we are in a relationship with somebody and we love them because of this relationship that we're in with them, versus we love somebody like our children, like unconditionally, no matter what they do. Or isn't that like the love that you have for your children is like the closest thing to this spiritual love that we talk about? Like it's just it's unconditional, whereas some other relationships, there's there's a ceiling, right? There's a, of like, that determines our level of 
of love or that what, what we're willing to give or not give. And that's like on the ego plane. Is that right? Yeah. Closest thing to spiritual love is the relationship between the mother and the child. Yeah. So, coming back to this, uh, uh, this when what you are saying is that when we are spiritually centered, we can actually have almost love that is selfless, not in the sense that it is less for the self. It is not that we are depriving ourselves, but it is less about the self. It's not about me. That's my existence, my my contribution is for something bigger than me. It's not the state of deprivation, but it's a sense of contribution to something bigger than ourselves. So, um, now I just want to explore this point of what you said about the heart. The word heart can have many different meanings. And I thought, if you talk about heart space, let's explore that. At one level, there's a biological heart. And that's just the organ. I got a heart attack. Then there is also what is called as the seat of emotion. Hmm? You broke my heart. So that doesn't refer to clearly, if you do x-ray, you won't find a crack at the heart. That's referring to something else. Now, beyond that, now the seat of emotion, it can be at different places for different people. So, right now in India, there's a lot of excitement about the Cricket World Cup. Cricket is the most popular sports in, in India. And India is expected to do very well, maybe win the World Cup. And if India doesn't win, a lot of people will be heartbroken. Now, we cannot deny the reality and the uh, fervency and the severity of their emotions. At the same time, uh, it's uh, that emotion is about something which is not really all that important. So, beyond this idea of the heart as a seat of emotion, now biological heart is of course external. The seat of emotion can be, you could say, variously located. And it depends on our primary attachments. But then beyond that, you can talk about the soul, super soul bond and space. So this is what you are, you are talking about, I presume. So if we look at it from this perspective, you know, we have... Can we can we st stay on that one for one more second? Yeah, sure. You know, when yes. we look... At, okay, I get the biological heart. When we say the seat of emotion, that is the seat of... Uh, when we say seat of emotion, the only seat of emotion that is in the heart is the, is the, the spiritual relationship between the individual consciousness and the supreme consciousness so in 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 originality 
the heart is the seat of spiritual emotions. But because our conditioning is such that we have placed material emotions into that spiritual space, that is why we're disappointed. Mm-hmm. Articularly put, the disappointment, putting material emotions into in a spiritual, spiritual space. space. Yeah. So the That's second nice. one you're saying, Veda, is, is like misidentified. Yes. It's interesting that you brought this up. Today only in another class I was mentioning this point that now is the soul changing or the soul does the soul change or the soul never change? That's the question. So for example, at one level the Bhagavad says the soul is unchanging. Avikaryoyam. The soul never changes. And yet there is the idea of evolution, not in the biological sense, but in the spiritual sense. We evolve in wisdom, we evolve in consciousness, the idea of expansion of consciousness, the blossoming of consciousness. So the understanding is that so, so there is a, there is some sense in which the soul changes change. So the the way I the Vedan Sutta talks about is the soul has its consciousness. And the consciousness is in one sense changeable and not just changeable it is ever changing now it can be changing for the good so if we are putting in our consciousness positive uplifting stimuli then the consciousness is changing for the better but if you're not then it's changing for the worse so i think in that sense there is, when we are using the word heart, the ha- what does it refer to? In its original sense, the heart refers to the subject of consciousness, in the sense that there is the soul, and it's all pure consciousness. But then in the consciousness also, some object might be primarily present. Like I was giving the example of cricket. So, a person's emotions might be very much fixated on that particular object. It could be it could be one's uh, country, it could be one's looks, it could be one's bank balance, it could be one's favorite game, whatever it is. Now, the soul's original pure consciousness is where that the soul and in the path of the consciousness of the soul there is the divine who is prominently present and then the soul's consciousness centered on the divine and being centered on the divine from there it may go outward to the rest of the world so this is where there is divine consciousness where we see everything in relationship with the divine so the first one you drew where the subject of the consciousness is the object that's like what veda was saying is when we misidentify material affection for for um for divine attachment i guess material attachment for divine affection you are saying that the better way is to to focus our consciousness 
on the divine and through that see our material attachments in relationship to that relationship yes perfect this is the heart you could say misdirected and this is the heart redirected or devo- divinely directed okay so the heart misdirected is when this when the subject of consciousness is on a material object like a relationship yes. or and it's it's redirected when the subject of divine of divine consciousness is on the divine and then through that exactly all the other relationships so it's like if you're in a relationship with with your husband and say your husband cheats on you 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 may be set up a boundary with your husband like maybe you get a divorce but but you still you still have compassion and love for this person in relationship to the divine so that would be the difference there right i th- that's the whole topic that i look at it a little differently than where you put it yeah i think that's a that's a huge subject i would say that that is a because you know one yeah, we definitely the, don't want to, we don't want to hate anyone but i'm not sure at that time maybe at that time the most important thing would be to recover anyway that's a different subject maybe well i, I say i mean that was maybe an extreme example but say somebody oh, the point is example. i guess like somebody does you wrong and it is an it is a excellent extreme example <laughs> <laughs> but that example is actually very nice i like it because often times when we go through that uh, you know that uh, that emotion displaced emotion you know uh misdirected spiritual seat of emotion when it's placed in the wrong place and then when it is placed wrong and having a spiritual expectation but placing something spiritual in a material space i mean putting a material emotion in a spiritual space i mean we are bound to have some disappointment for sure major major disappointment major heartbreak right but i also feel that the reason we go through such pain is the person who uh, has cheated on the partner they have themselves to uh, be the biggest uh, uh victim of their own traumas and their own issues you don't cheat on your partner you cheated on yourself that means that person has cheated the true nature of their soul so when someone cheats they're cheating on themselves first and of course in the course of action they're cheating on someone else because that someone else has placed their spiritual emotion into into a a a person that has uh possibly not that same level of uh, spiritual commitment or that spiritual consciousness i'm not sure if i'm making sense how are you cheating on yourself first if you're cheating on somebody how does how does that mean you're cheating on yourself cheating on yourself means being honest and faithful to oneself you can't be faithful to another person unless you're faithful to yourself if you don't identify yourself as a conscious divine spiritual being then you can definitely cheat on others for sure 
But if you yourself identify with your true identity, then you won't cheat. So you're not, you have cheated yourself. You have cheated your spiritual self. And so therefore, because you cheated yourself, you're cheating another person. Because that person has invested their emotions into you. So this, when we look at the hard pendulum, if you look at the top, not the pendulum, the, is it called the quadrant? What did you paint to see? The, the material part? Yeah. Look at the, yeah, the material. No, no, no. Lower, lower, go up. Yeah, right there. Yeah, the misdirected heart. Misdirected heart, you have put someone else as the object. That person has become the object. Hmm. Okay, so you've cheated yourself because you've decided that somebody else besides your partner... You're not divine consciousness. Your consciousness is not divine. And that is the first level of cheating. We cheat ourselves and then we cheat others. Hmm. Yeah, I would say that... No one can cheat on you before they cheat on themselves. They can only cheat on you before when they have cheated cheated themselves is it this is cheater and the cheated you know yeah because it, it's uh, like the person is in a relationship with someone thinking that that person will fill their god-sized hole and then they they for whatever reason don't feel like they do so their solution is to find another person that fills their god-sized hole and really, if they were if they were filling that hole with actual connection to the divine, then fulfilling their commitments and their responsibility to their spouse would be second nature. Yeah, I'm looking at it more in terms of the fact that we are not connected with ourselves. And that is deceiving and that is cheating. And only when we are in connection with ourselves, with our divine selves, then we will never cheat anyone else because we're loyal to ourselves. And then whoever invests in that spiritual space that we carry in our heart, then how there is no question of cheating there. It is when we're you removed know- from that divine consciousness, then we can cheat. What do you think, yeah. Cece? Well, and there is there is something just foundational in our life, and then there is something just functional. So, most of us see see the foundation of a building is wrong is off. We don't notice it also, but at a functional level. If there are cracks somewhere, if a quake comes and the building starts shaking, or some heavy objects being dropped cause the building to tilt or cracks in the floor to form, that's when we notice it. So while the two are related, like this at a functional level, cheating others is terrible. Where we all have certain expectations and promises in our relationships and when those are not fulfilled when those are violated then it's it's terrible 
but then at a foundational level when somebody is cheating others they are actually cheating themselves what that means is that the the soul is meant to be on an evolutionary path towards uh, higher happiness towards uh, you could say lasting love and joy and that comes at the spiritual level and this could be this could be a multi life journey but every every relationship it can help us progress on this journey mm-hmm. every in every relationship here if it is if it is holistically understood and adopted in our life then it can help us move forward in this journey for multiple laps in this journey now, now what happens is that when we go off we are not investing or focusing our consciousness on something that is truly worthwhile something uplifting so we are letting our consciousness get caught in something that is going to pull us down something that is degrading something that is going to cause us disintegration and then eventually so this is the problem at a foundational level and from this foundational problem eventually various functional problems do come up so now the function now just because the person has cheated themselves does not necessarily minimize the gravity of the fact that they cheated others there could be many spiritual there could be many people who are not spiritually minded so much but still they have some level of functional integrity to them and so while the while we understand that the functional problem comes from a foundational level at at the same time there's a two pronged approach to dealing with things so at the functional level the problem has to be addressed and at the foundational level also the problem has to be addressed and when we try to address them so if you're trying to address problems basically i don't want to put a pendulum over here but it's like sometimes we address it at the functional level sometimes we address it at the foundational level and the most holistically we address it at a functional and foundational level that means let me explain this another example we talk about let emo our topic was basically emotions and how what role emotions are so if somebody is suffering from addiction now somebody is an addict at a functional level they may need some help now maybe create some boundaries maybe have some kind of therapy or support or whatever but at a foundational level what you talked about filling the god size hole in the heart they have to find some deeper meaning a greater sense of connection so fill the god sized hole so now which is more important when now ideally both are required the gita talks about this that 
when we have these self destructive urges within us at a practical level we need to create boundaries but at a deeper spiritual level we need to have a higher connection a higher bond and so both when they are there then it's a holistic it's a it's a sustainable solution it's holistic and it's sustainable yeah, it's like what a 12 step program does right <clears throat> you get like association and then you work the steps and this a big it's it's a super spiritual program actually right yeah while you're you know um what's the word what's the word not <clears throat> engaging in the addictive behavior what's that word not relapsing yeah or um acting out what i was it was like rest- i wanted to say sustaining but it's not sustaining Re- uh sober being sober so yeah i mean they all mean the same thing so you stop the addictive behavior and you get in you get in a sangha a community of people that are trying to do the same thing and then you work the steps which is which is really um a, a spiritual step really surrender to god surrender your will to god right that's one of the steps yeah that's true nice you have it so veda have you any non contrary comment before we conclude <laughs> <laughs> you know i like this uh, when you go up in the little bits on the screen yeah right there right there yeah where you mentioned functional foundational uh you know they're they're so uh so deeply interconnected you know how foundational functional affects the foundational and and foundish foundational affects the functional so they're almost to me it's it's like it's it's is making the connection of your uh the 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 soul and the body your inner self and your outer self and how important it is to have a very cohesive uh uh intersupplementary uh relationship between the functional and the foundational because with one or the other it's it's it becomes very dysfunctional so i i i really like that point and yeah that was my only thought i had did you come up with this word intersupplementary did you mean complementary is yeah i mean is it complementary intersupplementary is not a word i don't know in I'm my thinking like i've seen the words like harmony synergy so go yeah. ahead use the correct word you're the english <laughs> no it's english the democratic language you are free to make your own words <laughs> <laughs> so that it is mine <laughs> that doesn't mean he agrees with it that just means that he's he's letting you make your own <laughs> i have a habit of making english words you know no that's a good point though because if you're just focused on foundational sometimes it's like spiritual bypassing 
Whereas you're just focused on fun- functional, you're going to hit a dead end. Like you're not really getting the whole picture. So having a relationship between the two of them and recognizing that they're, they are directly related is, is important. No, this is a very good, this is a good theme. Maybe we could discuss this in a future podcast about how to, how problems can be addressed at different levels. Mm -hmm. Not every problem has to be escalated to the foundational level, but not every problem should be reduced to the functional level also. Mm. Yeah. Mm Yes, Veda, you're saying something? This, I don't know why this this compliment, right? And and supplementary. It's an English, of course, you know. Supplement means something is already going on and you 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 add a little bit more to it. And compliment means something similar, right? You're doing something and you uh and you uh, add more to it. So this sorry. This something which is incomplete, you complete it. That is complementary. Hmm? So I, I really mean supplementary then in that case. Sorry? Then I mean supplementary. Yeah, so supplementary is something additional. Yes, correct. So, so that's, that's I'm what just I trying mean. to figure out. I was trying to form a visual picture of intra-supplementary. What does that mean? Oh, oh okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just, okay. It's kind of like a blend between the two, really. So this is what I meant by intersupplementary, right? <laughs> that both the divine is complete and the and and you know the functional and both are complete. And when these two complete supplement each other is what I was thinking. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. He's convinced me on it. I think. Oh, here, yeah, cons- you. Veda. I agree with the concept. I don't agree with the language. (laughs) 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 Okay. So, today was quite a spontaneous, um, spontaneous trek, I would say. So, today I'm going to make the summary also zigzag. (laughs) <laughs> so we talked started by talking about this only had only emotion only reason and emotion plus reason and then in connection with that we talked about how our sense of identity can be wow every nice. time <laughs> you you like but, to do hard cc it is Actually, my tablet likes to do that. It's, you know. <laughs> so, we have our intelligence, we have our mind, and with the soul. So, where is our sense of identity? Mm-hmm. If it is centered on the soul, then that is the best. Then we can use the mind and intelligence as tools. And then the centering on the soul, that we talked about the idea of the heart, Heart is, you could say, soul-centered. Actually, it's more of centered on the link of the soul with the divine. This combined together is what 
in the most evolved sense we refer to as the heart so there is the biological organ with the seat of emotions and then we could have the seat of emotions that is that is misdirected and that is redirected so discuss how the what is present in the consciousness that can change so if i talk about say the soul the soul is here and from the soul its consciousness radiates outwards and then there's some object present within the consciousness what is the object that is determines the whether the consciousness is directed or misdirected and lastly we talked about this whole thing about functional and function foundational that when we're talking about when when we do something that harms others like say cheating on someone at foundational level we are cheating ourselves because it's our consciousness that is misdirected and then the holistic approach is to have both functional and foundational together in addressing problems in a way that is according to veda intersupplementary <laughs> i got a word in there now wow according to veda <laughs> well, thank you all a very artistic expression on this conclusion <laughs>